This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am Matt Straub. It is Friday, January 22nd. Today, we're diving into some recent fantasy trends. We're going to look at the ridiculous recent surge from Clint Capella. Finally, some potentially good news for DeAndre Ayton. And what we make of Zion Williamson as a fantasy option this season. All of that and much more coming up on the show in just a second. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Right now, we welcome in my co-host here for this Providing Perspective edition, Ryan Knauss. Ryan, how are you? I am doing well, as are my fantasy teams. So I'm. Oh, just just snuck that in there. Wow. Oh, yeah, I mean, happy to say <laughs> you we're say we're, so we're, yourself. we're here to talk. Well, I was just thinking. You said providing perspective, and I was like, well, who's providing perspective to me? You know, I need some some perspective as well sometimes. But I don't have too many hand wringing moments yet this year because I've avoided a lot of injury bugs. I've avoided too many uh, DMPs from postponed games and so forth. And in fact, I've benefited from some of my opponents having their key guys out with uh, COVID-related DMPs and stuff. So uh, how are you faring on that front, by the way? You know, I have Damian Lillard in several leagues, and we just got word on Thursday that the Grizzlies' next three games are going to be postponed due to COVID contact tracing, I believe. And so that means yeah. Lillard and the Blazers have a second straight game postponed. So, I mean, look, we're all, as you said, kind of dealing with this. And I think some fantasy managers are getting a lot luckier than others. And you kind of got to, I mean, if you're managing your teams, you kind of just got to weather the storm. You kind of just got to hope, whether you're playing head-to-head or roto, that you're just mm-hmm. somewhere in the mix. Stay in the hunt, you know, and don't judge your your roster too harshly and or at least if you're judging your roster like look at how many games you've missed from key guys because i mean that's obviously playing a huge role 
Yeah, that's a great point. And don't feel, especially in Roto, like you have to just stream scrubs to replace those games immediately. Because one thing, at, you know, we do like to provide perspective here, and all of these postponed games will be played at some point, right? Right, So right. If, you've, if you're really struggling now and like ha- you feel like half your team is sidelined, you're going to get those games back. So there's at least a silver lining. That's true. It does feel like those games are lost, but it's important to remember that they're not. You actually mentioned the term hand-wringing a second ago, and that brings us to the first player I want to talk about today because I have squeezed the life out of both of my hands uh, with a recent trade I made in one of my favorite fantasy leagues. I traded away a guy named Clint Capella. Hmm. Uh, I needed assists in that league, right? And a multiplayer trade, but the core of this trade was Clint Capella for Lonzo Ball. Okay? Now... When I made the trade, Clint Capella was averaging 10.7 points, 12.7 boards, 0.6 steals, 0.9 blocks for the Hawks. That's fine. That's a little less than what we've come to expect from Capella. Wasn't playing a ton of minutes. Wasn't going absolutely berserk, which he has done the second I traded him. His last three games, 25 points per game, 18.7 rebounds, 1.3 steals, 4.0 blocks, and 38 minutes per game. Now, I will say, as I've been sitting here just bludgeoning myself over this i i do know that he is feasting on some truly wonderful matchups the those three games the blazers the wolves and the pistons are three teams that just do not have anything going on in the interior especially no nurkic for the blazers no carl anthony towns for the wolves no, no front court really for the. It's not a knock on Jeremy Grant, but I mean he's not like protecting hey, the rim Mason or anything. Mason Plumlee is still a viable hey, anyway. Hey, oh listen, I have Mason Plumlee in a lot of leagues. He's a very serviceable fantasy option, but he's not going to, not going to scare Clint Capella in no. any way. So look, obviously the guy has taken off, and it's great news. But I do think as we provide a little perspective here, Ryan, this could prove to be the true high water mark of Clint Capella's season. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I completely agree. First of all, you know, apologies for that trade. Uh, that's that's going to hurt. Hopefully Lonzo Ball gets gets back on track and takes some of the sting out of it. The other part, in addition to the matchups you mentioned, which were perfect for Capella, uh, is the fact that the Hawks are missing a bunch of players. They're, they're missing Danilo Gallinari, they're missing Cam Reddish, and they were missing DeAndre Hunter uh, in that Pistons game. So that opened up a ton of minutes. I don't think Atlanta wants to be playing Clint Capella. He played 37 minutes uh, on Saturday and then 39 minutes in those two most recent games. They don't want to be playing him that many minutes, especially when he's coming off a potentially kind of chronic foot injury. I'm surprised even that they were willing to play him that much and they they played him in a back-to-back recently. So obviously they're not concerned about his health, but yeah, to to see him playing 37 plus minutes a night is unrealistic. Yeah, agreed. And by the way, I mean, like Capella was a guy who I had, I would watch in passing when he was with the Rockets. And now that he plays for my hometown team where I watch every game start to finish, man, the guy is just a monster. Like talk about just a relentless guy who just relentlessly attacks the glass. He's a better, he has no offensive game to speak of outside of like four feet, but he's a really good finisher. Isn't he? He's not just a dunker. He's got a little lefty hook and just a fantastically fun basketball player. So I'm a huge fan. I don't know why I traded him. I, I really dislike myself right now. I will say, though, so this is a, t- this is a league where I, I, I really needed assists, and I was really high on Lonzo Ball coming to the season. And I did some digging, Ryan, and he did get off to a really slow start last year as well before 
really taking off. He had a spectacular like 30 game stretch last year where, you know, he's averaging like right around 14 points, seven boards, eight assists, a steal and a half, 0.8 blocks, a bunch of threes. So I do think Lonzo Ball is a great guy to still target in fantasy leagues. Just so happens I overpaid by accident. Yes, and the the only asterisk I'll throw in there, sorry to pile on a little bit, but no, no, keep um, it coming. Keep is it coming. that Stan Van Gundy's really not playing like a free flowing get out and run transition game that would benefit Lonzo Ball. It's a lot more ha- half court sets, which is not where not where Lonzo's most comfortable. He can be a decent pick and roll option, but that's not his game. So, yeah, I, I think if you put him in a half court set and expect him to knock down two plus threes per game that, that might be asking too much but he's going to need to to hit fantasy value so that's that's the only reason i'm concerned because as with you i was higher on lonzo coming into the season than for sure what we've seen thus far yeah and i watched the jazz pelicans game on i think it was tuesday night pretty much in its entirety and i mean it's the brandon ingram show like when when ingram is in the game he has the ball and more likely than not it's going up and like I think that's what Stan Van Gundy wants him to do, so it's not really a knock on Ingram. Like, but Lonzo goes, to, Lonzo brings it across half court. He passes to Ingram, and then he goes and sits on the wing or to the corner. Yeah. And kind of like you said, Ryan, he's basically going to have to get hot with his jumper, and he kind of has to find his spots to get assists and get stats when Ingram's out of the game. It's really funny. Like, he, you know, there's little flashes like, oh, he had a steal and an assist to Zion. You know, a couple of nice pick and rolls with Zion where he got some assists. And so it's basically going to have to be when his minutes are staggered with Ingram, he's going to get some assists and stuff. And otherwise, <laughs> he's just sitting on the wing shooting three. So, yeah, it's not ideal. But again, I still think we can talk all we want about that. But the guy may just be a slow starter as well. And things kind of fall into place. And Things improve. Got you know he's got Ricky Rubio in a more ways than one maybe slow starts assists and steals specialist. All right, I can I like this comparison. Anyways, I'm devastated. I think we should move on because I'm I'm uh, my, <laughs> my you spirits down. Are, my spirits okay. are flagging here. Uh, DeAndre Ayton has back to back as of this taping pretty noisy double doubles. I think 18 points and 16 rebounds in one game. Then on Wednesday night, 26 points, 17 rebounds, and five blocks. Those were all season highs for Aiton, who over his last eight games is around 16.5 points, 12.5 rebounds, and 1.5 blocks, which is trending in the right direction, Ryan, after a, a subpar start. Are you encouraged by this from Aiton? I mean, and I guess, how high were you on him coming into the season, and how worried were you when he was struggling? Pretty high on him, high enough to roster him in multiple leagues, even though he wasn't coming cheap. He was a second-round pick. But I, you know, I thought that his finish to last season was just a sign of things to come. And I still think that, despite the slow start, as you mentioned, those five blocks were a career high, in fact, for, for Aiton. And that's he's been really putting an emphasis on the defensive end, just cleaning up stuff for the Suns. They've given him a huge workload, given him the freedom to roam the paint. And he's paying off, the, you know, very impressive defensively. And then we finally saw him kind of break through and be more aggressive. That was the problem. His usage was super low on offense. And what I liked even in previous weeks before he got going was all the quotes were, were from his teammates, from his coaches were like, we need to feed the big man. We need to get him going. And sure enough, after his 26 and 17 game, Devin Booker said, I want more. And that's what I told him. Chris Paul said, he got it. He just got to, you know, do it. 
Coach Monty Williams said he was a monster for us tonight. We hope he understands that he can be that kind of player every single night. So this is a guy with the skills to do it, with the team empowering him, with teammates who are, you know, geared to set him up. So, I, yeah, I love where he's at personally. Yeah, that's great news. I have... I had Aiton in a couple leagues. I have, I still have him in the 30-team league. I traded him away in a league you and I are in. <laughs> I traded... It. For for Lonzo Ball? No, no. That was the trade <laughs> of... Uh, remember that offer I got? The same day you and I taped your last podcast, I traded Aiton and Beasley for one Steph Curry. Oh, I remember, Matt. <laughs> I, was, I was joking on the ball front. I still can't get over that. Uh, it takes, uh, you know, I looked at that trade and was like, oh my goodness, but it was my fault. And this is a fantasy lesson. The manager who traded you, Steph Curry, had Steph in his team name for one thing, which I can't believe he would give up that easily. But he had put a sort of message saying, I want rebounds and I want blocks. And Steph Curry is available among other players. And I just, my, you know, I glazed right past that, didn't even bother to make an offer, and then in comes Matt Straub and just takes him. I didn't, that offer came to me, and I, uh, <laughs> you, you know, look, I mean, I actually really like Malik Beasley. He's starting to play really well. He's starting to get, you know, more assists and getting some steals for, for Minnesota, putting up some pretty nice numbers. And Aiton, as we said, it can be like a, early-ish round guy so i don't think i gave up nothing to get steph curry but i still think it's a trade i would do 10 times out of 10 totally see what i had to do there was because i put it out there that i made this capella trade which i hate myself for i had to talk about another trade i made that was advantageous (laughs) for me (laughs) balance things out yeah all right back to new orleans for a second to talk about zion williamson ryan this is kind of a random accolade uh but zion just became the youngest player in nba history to record back-to-back games with 30 plus points on 70 percent shooting or better i I learned that on rotoworld.com and as random as that is in a way it kind of highlights what zion does well in fantasy right i mean basically we're looking at points rebounds and field goal percentage let's look at a stat line 23.4 points 8.0 8.0 rebounds, just 1.8 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.4 blocks, 0 threes, 59 from the field, just south of 64 from the line, nearly three turnovers per game. Add it all up and you have the number 97 player in nine category leagues, which is probably about where I would have guessed Zion would be. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I like him much better as a real life player than fantasy player. Were you a big Zion guy coming into this season in fantasy or not? No, for the very reasons you just cited. There's huge holes in his game. I mean, he's an awful free throw shooter. Like, none of this is new information. He's just confirming it every time he takes the court. (laughs) He gets to the the line a ton. His 6.9 attempts are ninth most in the NBA. He's shooting 64% at the stripe, which is third worst among the top 25 guys in attempts. So the only players shooting worse with that many attempts are Drummond and Giannis. But in addition to that, he doesn't get any defensive stats, or many, He's not even attempting three-pointers this year. He's a combined 0 of 3 from deep. So those aren't going to get better. You know, maybe he gets some more defensive stats. That's the only area I can see him gaining traction. But because of these things and because he's such an exciting player to watch and his name is, you know, written in lights in the sky seemingly, uh, everybody loves him. And, and his ADP was way higher than his actual fantasy ceiling, I think. So therefore, I didn't draft him anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to be... He really should be part of a team that's punting free throws if you're playing in a category league because otherwise you're not getting enough elsewhere to justify sinking your squad in free throws for that stat line. 
I mean, 23 and 8 is great, yeah. you know, but but otherwise, it's not worth it. No, and even in points leagues where you don't have to worry about these category-specific things we're talking about, he's averaging 37.4 fantasy points in the default Yahoo setting, which is 42nd best in the uh-huh. league. So that's fine, but that's not like, oh, this guy is straight-up elite in one format, but not quite as much in another. He's good. Like, he's among the elite, I guess, for top 50, but... Well, who's who's got the highest in Yahoo default scoring? Whoever does, do you have that in front of you? Uh, I w- I don't. I think it might actually be Jokic. Okay, but I mean, do you have a guess what the number is? It is Jokic at fifty-seven. Right. So, like, I'm not playing any points leagues this season, and but when I last did, you know, a couple years ago, it was like there's the elite elite guys, and then there's yeah. a million guys who will get you thirty a game. You know, yeah. everyone gets that. So those are guys who are fine to have on a roster. And then there's like the true difference makers. Yes. I would trade three guys who average 30 fantasy points per game to get one player who averages 50 plus per game because the replacement value for those two extra guys you trade away is going to be not that f- right. much further down. Right. So. All right. Anyway, so Ryan, I, I did some research here. There have been six players in history to put up 2.03s per game or better and 1.5 blocks per game or better okay six in history and i'm not counting andre ingram who did that in two games a couple years ago okay you have to have played more than let's say half a season because i think the lowest number on this list is 48 games played okay Okay. 2.03s 1.5 blocks i'm not going to ask you to guess these players i'm going to tell you who has done it and then i'm going to have you try to guess who is maybe on his way to doing it this year Oh, wow. Okay. So the six who have done it, Kevin Durant, Brooke Lopez, Kristaps oh. Porzingis, Robert Ori, <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr., and DeMarcus Cousins. Now it's 48 games for Cousins. That's the lowest games played on this list, okay? Okay. So far this season, there is another player who is on pace to pull this off as of this recording. Can you guess who it is? I feel like it's you're trying to pull out someone somewhat surprising. Could it be... Jeremy Grant? No, that's a really good guess. I think Grant is at 1.2 blocks. Otherwise, I think he would be there. Okay. It's a guy, I'll give you a clue. It's a guy who I would say has been a very polarizing fantasy player and real life player over the years. A super early draft pick who was kind of a headache because of percentages. And are you with me yet? Keep going. More clues. Uh... Yeah. Moved to a different team, and I think that changed I'm the outlook. Russell Westbrook is no, no. earlier right now. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is who we're looking for, Ryan. Really? Andrew Wiggins is averaging 2.13. You said super early round draft. That threw me oh, off. Oh, I meant real life. Sorry. <laughs> I meant real life. Oh, okay. I threw you off I was there. trying to think of elite fantasy players. <laughs> no. Like, Andrew okay. Wiggins is averaging 17.8 points, 4.7 boards, 2.4 assists, just 0.4 steals, but 1.5 blocks and 2.13s through his first 14 games. And he averaged 1.3 steals and 1.4 blocks in 12 games for the Warriors last year. So I do think there's potentially something to be said for, you know, Steve Kerr and the Warriors system changing Wiggins' outlook a bit. I mean, he's still just 94th overall in nine-category leagues, so we're not talking about a massive fantasy difference maker. But personally, if you look at Wiggins at 94, Zion at 97, and the stats you're getting, give me Wiggins all day with the blocks and the threes versus, you know, Zion getting more points and boards. Where do you land on this one? Uh, 
Yes, I, I guess I would take him too. And Wiggins has slowly grown over me over the past couple of years. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he's grown Wiggins over has you. Slowly, he's grown over me. <laughs> Just, um, he is, yeah, sort of developing into a different, better player. More efficient, kind of knows his role. Defensively, the blocks, I did not know that he was at that number because I don't have him in many leagues. But that's really impressive, and it's it's a testament to what he's doing. He's locked in on that end, and the Warriors have made that a point of emphasis. They're like, we can score the ball, but if we don't defend and get stops, we're not going to win. So they have, you know, Wiggins and Kelly Oubre have bought into that and are really, really going all out defensively. So, yeah, I like Wiggins' game well enough. Uh, the percentages, as you said, he's been a polarizing guy, partly because he didn't contribute many defensive stats or, like, any assists. He's still at... 2.4 per game this year and 0.4 steals, which isn't great. But yeah, the the three pointers, the improved field goal percentage, does enough to move the needle. That yeah, I, I I like him quite a bit. That was a bold statement though. You said you take him ahead of Zion, huh? I mean, I think so. There are guys who their current numbers put them right next to each other on the Basketball Monster nine category leaderboard. I just think yeah, I mean, points and rebounds are just so much easier to find than blocks are so guys getting you one and a half blocks and is helping elsewhere i just think is actually quietly kind of valuable does that feel fluky that like do you think wiggins can keep up because i went on about how he's bought in defensively but one and a half blocks is a pretty high bar well but that's what i was saying it was 1.4 in 12 games for the warriors last year so we have a little bit more of a he's now at 26 games with the warriors averaging around one and a half so i mean you're starting to see what feels like it could be a trend yeah i don't know i'm intrigued i don't have him in any leagues i i basically stopped drafting wiggins like a couple of years ago and i just i was done with it but now i i'm finding myself my eyes and ears are perking up once again i bet he'd be a fine like, like i i don't think his fantasy managers hold him too tightly so he might yeah. be a good a good guy to target even though he's playing well already he's not like blowing anyone anyone's yeah. socks off so you can get him for a reasonable value I would agree with that. I'm going to go make some Andrew Wiggins trade offers after this. (laughs) Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Are you frequently up against the clock to get your waiver claims in? Or perhaps you can't decide who to start as tip-off approaches. Save time and make the best decisions with our all-new NBA League Sync tool. League Sync pulls in all of your team and league info from Yahoo to show you who the best available players are on the waiver wire, who you should start, who you should bench, and much more. Let League Sync do all the work, and you can take all the glory. Get League Sync, our DFS tools, and our draft and season tools as part of the Edge Plus Pro tier. Go to rotoworld.com edge. For more, and use promo code NBAPOD10 for $10 off any annual premium package. Does the League Sync tool tell you if you're about to make a horrible trade? Because I could use that. <laughs> that was a question for you. Oh. <laughs> uh, the League Sync tool does actually have a trade analyzer, so it would tell you <laughs> okay. if okay. it believes you're making a, a horrible trade involving Lonzo Ball or anyone else. Can it predict the future? Because I think that's what I really need. I need something to tell me, hey, Clint Capel's about to go on a serious heater. You might want to wait one more day. <laughs> you know, I think they, they had that feature, but Oracle had the trademark, so they couldn't, they, they had uh, to scrap it. Got yeah. it. Got it. All right. Next up is Pascal Siakam. His last four games have him averaging right around 15 points, five boards, four assists, 1.0 steals, 0.8 blocks, just 0.53, shooting 38.1% from the field. And I think that's what I want to focus on, Ryan, because Siakam struggled shooting it in the bubble as well. 39.4% during seven games after the restart. Then in 11 playoff games, he shot 39.6%. Now for this season, he's close to 44%. But this is a guy who shot 54.9% during his breakout season a couple years ago. He's 82nd in nine category leagues. This is not the guy that you drafted if you drafted him. Also reportedly dealing with the sore groin. But putting that aside, what is going on here, Ryan? Well, the Orlando bubble struggles, I kind of put in a separate category. A lot of guys, we don't know what was going on with them behind the scenes necessarily. Paul George, for instance, struggled mightily throughout the bubble uh, and admitted that he was having mental health problems being there. So whatever that might look like for different players out of sorts in Orlando, I don't hold that against them necessarily. Uh, Pascal Siakam this year really wasn't in attack mode early. He wasn't getting to the rim. And then we finally saw him break through in early mid-January. He started getting more aggressive, really looking for his own shot, putting pressure on defenses in the paint, which is his game, right? He needs to be, even though he's proven he can hit three-pointers, he needs to attack. Uh, and he started to do that. And then we saw, I think on January 8th, he just missed a triple-double. He got a triple-double a couple games later, and everyone probably thought, okay, he's he's back. Here we go. Uh, since then, he has struggled with his shot in particular, but I'm not worried. We saw those glimpses of him. His assists, uh, as the triple-doubles suggest, are up to a career high, I think 4.7. So that's awesome. And the field goal percentage will come up. Uh, he was 36% from deep last year. He's at 25% this year, so that should increase. And the good news is that his two-point efficiency is still strong, over 50%. So, yeah, I'm not worried. And another guy you might want to queue up a trade offer for if his fantasy managers are getting a little frustrated. Yeah, that sounds like that's what I was about to say in listening to everything you said is, yeah, it sounds like a good guy to target in trades based on that analysis. So uh, adding to trade target list, Pascal Siakam. Uh, next, Devin Vassell of the Spurs, the number 11 overall mm. pick. Starting to see his minutes pick up a little bit, including season highs of 26 and 27 minutes in the last two games. Now, granted, both of those games were decided by 20 or more points. One was a win, one was a loss. I checked the blowout loss where he played 27 minutes, and he was playing 
in fourth quarter garbage time, but that's not like where he piled up all his stats. So the main reason I bring this up is because of the potential in steals and defensive stats here. Vassell's last four games, only 8.8 points, but five rebounds, 1.8 times, 2.3 steals, 0.5 blocks, 1.03s in 24 minutes. I've only picked him up in deeper leagues, but I was curious if this recent stretch has the rookie on your radar. I'm glad I'm glad you asked me about him because I, I pulled up a stat that I can't wait to include in a Spurs. I don't know when the next time I'll write about a Spurs game is, but I want to include the fact that he has a steal in every single game in January, which is ridiculous given how few minutes he's averaging. Uh, he actually has 17 steals and 17 assists versus one turnover in the month of January, which is just a ridiculous level of efficiency and will surely endear him to Greg Popovich and the coaching staff there, which has proven to be more amenable to playing young guys increased minutes this year. You know, in years past, a rookie on the Spurs was right. like a death sentence. They were not going to help you. But now we're seeing a changing of the tide. They're clearly building for the future. And it's enough. Uh, you know, this actually reminds me, I need to go bump up Devin Vassell in, in the Roto World Dynasty tool rankings going forward. I might even bump him up just as a steel specialist in our top 200 for 8-cat and 9-cat. Yeah. And again, I mean, this is not surprising in the sense that this was the blueprint for Vassell coming out of college. His last year at Florida State, 12.7 points, 5.1 boards, 1.4 steals, 1.0 blocks, 1.5 threes, less than one turnover per game, shot it well from the field. Now, he's not shooting it well from the field right now, but he doesn't shoot that much, so I'm not that worried about that. But this is a steals and blocks and threes guy who is starting to make a dent there. And, you know, like you said, he's kind of cracked into the rotation for the Spurs, right? And from here... Potentially he gets more minutes. I just think he's a nice stash at the very worst. Not Certainly not a must roster or a must start, but in deeper leagues where there's just no one out there on your waiver wire, this is a an intriguing name to uh, throw on your bench. Yeah, and if you're streaming, for instance, and you need some steals, well, there's your guy. Look no further. Ryan, I want to close with the only logical place for you and I to close a podcast. Just when you're starting to take a victory lap in our Lou Dort 14.5 points per game bet, <laughs> Dort has stormed back with back-to-back 20-plus point games. He's now up to 13.4 points per game on the year, Ryan. Are you starting to sweat a little bit? Well, I do think I should have taken you up in the last in the last podcast when you were just conceding defeat. You were like, I'll just ship you a jersey now, just get it over with. I should have said yes. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a little bit concerned. OKC does not have many guys who can score around Shade Gilgis-Alexander, so they need Dort to shoot the ball. I don't think, you know, over the past five games, he's been on fire from deep, shooting 47%. I don't think he's going to keep that up. And what I'm clinging to is hopefully the reason he, he won't average more than 14.5 points is that he's still only taken more than 11 shots once in the past 10 games. So if I if we can keep his usage low enough, uh, and I say this, it's a double-edged sword because I do I do roster Lou Dort in a couple leagues. Um, so I want him to do well, but maybe you know 14.2 points would be a sweet spot for him. I just want I just want Lou to give him a finish. You know, let's give him a finish. I just want I just want this to be close. I just want you to feel like you earned this. Like if he scores 83 combined points over the final four games of the season, then, then yeah. you win. Yeah. yeah, I think the listeners are rooting for that too. So I mean, I'm just glad. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we got a ball game. Let's just put it that way. We got yeah. ourselves. We got ourselves a ball game. 
That's what I would say at this point. I mean, you're you're winning. It's 21 to 14 in a in an NFL game, but like we got a game here. It's a one score game in like the first quarter, <laughs> high score. <laughs> yes. Did you have something else you wanted to say? Nope. End of show. End of show. Uh, thank you for <laughs> subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. If you would take a second to rate and review us, we appreciate that. We'll be back on Monday with some waiver wire pickups. We're also here every Friday where Ryan and I, generally speaking, do this. Uh, Thanks to all of you for listening. Ryan, I want to thank you for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.